Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host for today. Joining me is none other than the excellent Drew Garrison. Drew, how you doing today? It's been, it's been a day for me, Taylor. I will not lie. It's been a day for me, but I am pumped to be here. This is like one of my happy places getting on this podcast, so I'm just happy, and I'm excited about our topic. Me too, man. Me too. I do want to say before we start recording, we are recording this a few days before Thanksgiving, so I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to you, man. Hope everything's going well. Happy Thanksgiving, well, by the time this goes out. You know what? Actually, I don't know when this is fully going out, so I'm going to try to cover all my bases, all right? Anyone listening, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate it, or if this is around the holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate there. So I have peace on earth and let all be to you. Yep. All, all the bases are covered. I think happy holidays to you. Yeah. For me, I just say happy holidays because I don't want to go through the whole rigmarole of you have to remember all the holidays. Like, all right, I just got to get them all through. But anyways, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. And since it is to me, I think this is the road to Christmas. This is when it starts is Thanksgiving week to me. Or as I like to, or as I like to say, this is when Mariah Carey has been let out of her slumber. <laughs> oh no, Drew, 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 Drew! I used to work at Walmart. That some that some bitch <laughs> song was on in October. We are well past <laughs> the Mariah Carey season. I know, uh, but, but we <laughs> haven't talked Christmas or the song, and this is the only time I can put the joke on the podcast. <laughs> But the reason I bring all this up is it's the beginning of the holiday season. And I feel like our topic today is just, it's a happy one. It's a chill one. It's us talking about the future. So today's show is going to be a little different, guys. As I said earlier, we're recording this a few days before Thanksgiving. It's a hectic time for a lot of people, including ourselves. We had planned another retrospective, but to make a long story short, it didn't pan out. And instead of rushing together another retrospective or a spoiler talk, we thought it would be fun to just have a chill episode talking about some superhero content, which, if you've listened to us before, is something we like to do a lot on here. Oh yeah. There's all sorts of craziness surrounding the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. We could talk about Loki Season 2 and how it gave Loki one of the best character arcs in the entire MCU. We could get into all the Kang and Doctor Doom rumors that are swirling around. Pedro Pascal being cast as Reed Richards, which, just wow. <laughs> just insane news there. We could talk like, about the um, future. You had the perfect casting, Marvel. It's like, don't get me wrong, I like Pedro Pascal, and honestly, he can be a good Reed Richards. But at the same time... You had perfect casting before. Why? Yeah, I, look, I think they wanted to go to say just when this, I, like we're not. I like how the whole prelude is. We're not going to get into this, but we're kind of getting into it. Just a real, real quick uh, discussion here. I think they went with a safe pick with Pedro because he's a really, really good actor, and they know he's going to crush it. He's in the Disney ecosystem already. And a lot of people were reportedly turning down the role, so I felt like Disney panicked. But at the end of the day, Pedro Pascal is going to crush it. That that makes mo- that makes more sense. 
and I'm glad I know that little piece because I just was fine, like, not even fine. I was ecstatic about the Mr. Fantastic casting for, uh, for, uh, Dr. Strange mom, as I call it. Oh, you can spoil it. We're years past this at this point. Oh. Or at least feels like we're years past it. You were good with John Krasinski. John Krasinski, yes. Uh, I, I didn't know if I was allowed to spoil it. But yeah, so John Krasinski was just the perfect Reed Richards you could have had. Already there, looks good in the costume. The only problem you had was that you gave him the dumbest line in the movie. And there were a lot of dumb, line, dumb lines in the movie. <laughs> no, All you had to... talking about. Here's uh, Black Bolt. He can kill you. He can kill you with one, void, with one word from his mouth. What mouth? thanks reed but um but that but it's like if he like was staying on or you already signed him up for a contract i would have been like you already have perfect you just need to get the other three pedro is gonna do an amazing mr fantastic i know it to be so i just thought that i just thought that krasinski was going to be much much better you could see the uh the layers already in his performance with just the little he had in in a Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I was just so excited for it. And then I, I, it's, it's like, Pedro, again, I want, if you're listening, I doubt you're listening, but if you are listening, I can't wait to see you <laughs> as Mr. Fantastic. I just felt like there was already a great casting. Also, also, yeah. I had you pegged for another character, if I am going to be honest, of my fan casting for MCU, but that is neither here nor there. We will talk about that later. Remember that for after the show, because I think I know who you had fan casted for. Uh, But, (laughs) yeah, we're not going to get into it. But uh, we could be talking about the X-Men in MCU, the divisive shitstorm that is the Marvels. (laughs) But... So many people are doing that, and honestly, what could we really add to the conversations that hasn't been said already? And also, really, we just wanted to be different. Instead of talking about the MCU happenings around the entertainment space, barring that quick Pedro Pascal discussion we just had, we will take a look at Peter Safran and James Gunn's DC Universe, simply called the DCU. Drew, Tristan Benz, and myself already had a discussion about the announced DCU slate when James Gunn revealed it almost a year ago. If you want to hear that, you should be able to find it on our channel. So we're going to limit our discussion today by talking about what we're hoping to see from the DCU from now, November 21st, 2023, until December 31st, 2024. What has Gunn gotten right so far, in our opinion? What does he need to get better at? What castings have worked? What castings are we hoping to get in 2024? We're probably going to get into all that and so much more here today. Now, Drew, I have a list of topics down below on our show outline for us to potentially get into. Why don't you kick us off, man? What do you want to talk about? And feel free to go off, go off of our list if you want. So I think we should start off with just the upcoming, or at the time of this recording, the unveiled uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, just because like that's going to be like the last thing before we get into the true 
DCU. So you want to talk about the death of DCEU? I get I guess so. This is it's the final nail in the coffin. Very optimistic at this time of the year, aren't you, Drew? Uh, it's my seasonal depression. <laughs> no, nah, I'm with you, man. I feel like it's the appropriate topic here. Now, yeah. I think for me, I don't remember how I fully felt what I said on I know we talked about it when James Gunn revealed his slate, and we were like, how is this going to work with Aquaman and The Flash and Blue Beetle and all that? But I think hindsight now, you look at it, and it was a huge mistake for James Gunn to, I don't want to say reveal what he revealed, but the way it was done kind of felt like, oh, so the Flash was pointless, so Aquaman 2 is pointless, and Blue Beetle's pointless. That's what you're telling me. I know that that wasn't James Gunn's intent, but that is the way I think the general public who either know about the upcoming DCU or they don't know about DCU, that's how they kind of feel, is like the DCU isn't really... It never really worked past, what, BVS, I want to say? I guess you could say, like, it had a small resurgence with Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League um, premiere and everything. But, yeah, it, it, it's like the DCEU has not been making bank since... Yeah, Wonder Woman made a lot of money. So I want to say until Wonder Woman, then that resurgence with uh, Justice League, Zack Snyder cut. So, I I agree with you there. But it feels like the general public who don't know about James Gunn don't have... We're kind of seeing it, not to talk about the MCU again, but we're kind of seeing that with MCU now. The general audience just, they don't trust the brand to deliver a good movie anymore. So, people just aren't going to see the movie at this point or to go to see the show anymore. And I think you saw that with a DCEU as well. So you have those people who just don't trust the brand. Then you also have the people who are in the know about what's going on. People who would like listen to a podcast like this or our dumb selves talking about it into microphones, right? To where we know, okay, Superman Legacy seems like that's where everything's going to kick off. So everything else prior to this doesn't feel either important or it feels... Like, filler or unnecessary. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, um, I guess, I guess it's kind of like the opposite effect of what the MCU had back in phase three. It's like before you wanted to go see every movie because you didn't know what little piece was going to come up in Endgame. And then, eh, and then, it, and then for this one, it's like, oh, well, we're rebooting. What do we need to see anymore? This is pretty much just them trying to get any little money they can off of these nearly finished projects. Yeah, and that did not work out for a movie like The Flash. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there. I wasn't on the spoiler talk for The Flash. You were you got to see what they were trying to do. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think if James Gunn revealed anything this movie would have been that great anyway because of the not only the drama behind it, but also it's like just word of mouth would have gotten out from the moment you saw those effects. Not only that, I think my main issue with a movie like The Flash was, and this gets into something like Batman Brave and the Bold, which I think we might talk about, where Andy Muschietti is set to direct. I'm kind of concerned about that because I looked at what he did with The Flash. The one thing I will say is... I know he likes Batman. 
<laughs> he sure as hell didn't seem like he liked the Flash because to me it didn't have. It's not good when I look at it, like the Flash TV show. Flash TV show first two three seasons, great. First two seasons especially, honestly nine out of ten awesomeness at minimum. But it's not great when I look at the Flash TV show and say it delivers more emotions than the movie. Well, if you're a CW show and you're not delivering emotions, then you're de- you've done something wrong. Yeah, but it, you know what I mean by that. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I, know, saying, I know, like, I know. I had yeah. to bring that up, though. <laughs> that's fair. But you know what I mean by that. And that's where I think the movie really faltered. And getting into something like Shazam 2. I still haven't seen Shazam 2. I'm going to be dead-ass honest with you. I don't know when I'll see Shazam 2. Because <laughs> I just don't have the interest like, I, like, I'm not even going to, like, pull your leg here. It's like, see it, don't see it, your life will not change. And that's the thing, right? It, and, well, not that kind of way where it's like your life has to change by seeing a movie. But I know what you're saying. Like, there's no, we're not going anywhere. And, yeah, there was a time before the MCU to where movies didn't really connect like that. You could just have standalone films. But when you're promising a cinematic universe and everything being connected and it doesn't totally feel like it is anymore, that's where it's a problem. Yeah. I think Shazam 2 is where it started. It got worse in The Flash. Then you see Blue Beetle. I think Blue Beetle was just a case of people not really caring, like not really even wanting to go see it. And granted, this was in the middle of the writers and actors strike too, so that did not help. But I don't imagine it was going to do well at the box office anyways. Since I talked about Shazam 2 and The Flash already, I did see Blue Beetle. I also was not on the spoiler talk for it. I watched it after it was in, uh, after it uh, left theaters. I thought it was alright. It was a genuinely alright movie. Nothing more, yeah. nothing less. Yeah, and I'm a Blue Beetle fan, and I, and I knew it wasn't going to do well and everything. I didn't even try to yeah. hype it up because... I knew it's like, well, this movie's get this movie's gonna have some pro some problems. It's the end of the DCE, which is a part of, and this was meant to go to streaming and everything. So I knew the effects were not gonna be up to snub like they should be. So, yeah, and then it goes into the whole reason we're starting with the DCEU, right? Because Aquaman two is coming out in December. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a huge interest to see that. It's just... I, I want to see Jason Momoa as Lobo. Sure. I'm That's down with fun. that. But I don't, I don't want to see him as Aquaman. I'm good. As great as he was, I'm, I'm not saying that to take away his performance as Aquaman. I think for he really made that role his own in a fresh way that audiences liked. Yeah. However... I don't want to see the DCU, and this is something I think we'll get into later. I I don't want to see the DCU recycle actors for the same roles a lot. Because to me, it's going to come across as, well, damn, you treated Henry Cavill like you just kicked him to the curb. Like, I understand you want to do a different story, but why the sudden, oh no, we're done with Henry Cavill, period, as Superman. But, oh, Jason Momoa could come back as Aquaman, or... Uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and hell I understand why they did it but Ezra Miller as the Flash like they like uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran 
they didn't really commit to like, oh yeah, we're recasting. They're definitely recasting. <laughs> but at the same time, they couldn't say it before the movie released. That yeah. said, you don't want to see these actors back as those roles, to be honest, because of it's just a weird optics there. And I think it's the, just the same thing with Momoa. And also, like, just the... It, not really bad blood, but just, like, the murkiness of the water with doing it. It's like, oh, so you're going to be acting as this character after we just got done with the universe where you were supposed to be this other character. Huh. Yeah, see, I'm again, I'm down for him playing Lobo. Honestly, I think that's just perfect casting. Yeah, I think it's perfect casting. I just don't want to see him again as Aquaman after this because I think... I don't want to say a fully clean break because you look at something like Marvel with J.K. Simmons and how they've made him J. Jonah Jameson pretty much across the multiverse, and that was a great idea. <laughs> you look at somebody like Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, I think that's somebody that audiences will go, yeah, I get it. I get keeping her. Yeah, 100%. But, <laughs> but a lot of like the main Justice League people is I think where you're going to lose the audience and be like, no, I liked Henry Cavill. Why isn't he back? Yeah. It just makes no, it just makes no sense when, um, it just makes no sense to recycle a lot of actors and then like not get the one actor that people were like, he's perfect casting, just didn't get his due and everything. Cause I think every other character at least got something that elevated their, elevated their performances to show they could be amazing. Henry Cavill was that times 10 because you kept seeing when he had the um the good writing to go off of he could make a story work and you could feel this superman it's just what we got is more of uh injustice superman than classic superman yeah if that makes sense no it totally makes sense but i guess before we move on from the dceu I guess here's my last question to you. Do you think Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom can succeed critically and or financially? Critically, possibly, financially, no. Now, this I still don't understand it to this day. Maybe it's because it was during the crazy superhero boom in 2018 where every movie was making a billion dollars. But Aquaman made a billion dollars. I'm not saying this is going to happen or is going to go anywhere near close, but it's that crazy wild card that you're like, I don't know how the first one, like I I did like the first movie. I thought it was good. I'll tell you how, I'll tell you how the first movie made a billion dollars. Best Kraken to ever be put to screen. (laughs) It was the Kraken. Let's be real here. Jason Momoa was was fun. There were some nice action scenes, but it was nothing that blew your mind. It was the Kraken, baby. That thing coming in and kicking ass, taking names and eating everything else. That's what made it a billion (laughs) dollars. Hey, who can disprove that, Drew? Who can disprove that? No one. I'll tell you, it's no one. (laughs) But I just wanted to throw that in there because... The first movie made a billion. However it did, I'm not taking anything away from the movie. I thought it was a really good movie. But you look at the second film and you're like, I can't count you out like I could with The Flash or Blue Beetle. I just don't think you're going to do well, <laughs> considering how the other projects did. Yeah, it's it, it's like Aquaman, I, I really wish you the best of luck. But I, I'm just not seeing it. 
Also, I feel like there's too many wild cards in this movie. It felt like they tried... I feel like they're trying to prime, the, to prime this movie with everything they had for Aquaman 3 as well. It's like, oh, we're bringing back Ocean Master. Aquaman has a kid. Already. Wow. <laughs> that was quick. Uh, hey, um, Black Manta's back with like a black trident that can match the new trident we spent an entire movie getting. <laughs> Oh, did I oh did I mention that his uh dad's back in this and his mom's might be in this cuz it seems cuz she's not anywhere in the trailers. It's like, oh, it's like it, it feels like they're they're trying to mash both movies together. It's like, well, we know this ain't going to make anyway. Let's just put these two movies together. Yeah, so like there's a movie in between this that the audiences have not seen. Uh but you talked about a wild card. You know who's a wild card in DC? Lobo? The Joker. Ah. <laughs> before but we get into... <laughs> yeah, that, that's also true. But before we get into the DCU, I want to talk about the DC Elseworlds concept. There's going to be three projects coming up in 2024 to 2025, most likely. And that is Joker 2, the Batman 2, and the Penguin HBO Max series. What are your thoughts on this DC Elseworlds concept so far? Like the concept, don't like that everything that's not a part of the uh, DC movie universe has the Elseworlds concept. Because for me, Elseworlds is, oh, let's take the Batman concept, but let's make him like an actual vampire. Or let's take Superman and say he was a Green Lantern. It's, it's that type of concept. Just And it's like, for this other stuff, I get they needed something. Elseworlds, I feel like, was the wrong term to put it under. Yeah, but, uh, you needed a marketing term. Yeah. And I get why they used Elseworlds, but I, I agree with you. Because it is typically used, and this is coming from me, like, I'm not the comic guy here. You you and Tristan are mostly, like, you guys know so much about comics, but even me is like, yeah, I've seen some, I've seen a lot of DC content from animation to live action. Elseworlds is exactly what you said. It's usually used for, hey, let's do this crazy thing. Hell, the CW basically went like, Elseworlds, what if Barry and Oliver switched basically identities? Like That still seems more crazy than, oh yeah, we're just doing a new Batman movie that's not connected to DCU. Yeah, and a new Joker movie, which I will talk about that later, but that is one I did not see coming. I won't talk about that now, actually, because I want to get oh. it out of the way. <laughs> Oh, okay. Joker 2, I'm going to be honest with you, Drew. I don't want to see a sequel to it. Thank you. Oh, my God. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, I was, like, I was waiting for you to say it's like the, the sequel to the um, critically acclaimed Joker movie. And I was like, I just let him say it so that way I can say I don't want to see it. I'm sorry. And get it over with. But the fact that you agree with me on this is like a breath of fresh air. I'm just not a fan of it being a musical for one. I feel like they're trying to do the Harley Quinn effect where it's like, oh, be quirky and everything because the Joker is mad and insane so he can do anything. Yeah, it it seems like they want to be very creative with this. And I go, yeah, but Todd Phillips didn't have plans originally for this seemed like a one-off. And just because it seemed like it was so successful that DC backed up the money truck the Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix to the point to where they were just like, well, shit, that is a lot of money. Let's, let's do it. Well, my, well, the thing, well, the thing with me is like, I felt like the Joker story was a 
nice self-contained story you didn't need you didn't need anything more i don't think you can really go anything anything more with it because just like the it feels good to see it feel it felt good and also terrible to see how the joker was created but i will always stand by the joker is at his best when his origin is multiple choice you don't know who he was before because the whole point is that anyone can turn into the joker and that's the joker's whole point that's the one consistent in his chaoticness yeah and i think it does work to an extent like you look at the dark knight right to where it's multiple choice he gives so many different origins and there's theories out there like uh the theory that I always bring this up when talking about the Dark Knight trilogy that Joker was a veteran. And that's how he got the scars. And he tells it. It's like throughout the movie, he kind of gives. I don't want to say hints because the movie never tells you. And that's a brilliant part about the origin. But I think it drops hints to where the audience can go. That might be the secret origin that is never fully given to you. But with Joker, it's just a full-fledged, hey, here's how this guy becomes the Joker. And by the end, this is how Bruce Wayne will become Batman. And granted, that is brilliant to tie both of those stories together. I'm not saying it's not. It is one of the best parts. I actually would say it's the best part of the movie for me. It is to tie Joker's origin in with Bruce Wayne's. But... When you go to a sequel, what can you do with that? I'm very curious to see what they end up doing with that because I'm not really interested. Now, I know some people will be, but I'm not really interested in just saying bad guy be bad for two hours and have no real foil, right? To whereas we know Batman's not going to be there. like He has nobody to go against here. Yeah, it's like maybe maybe they'll put put Commissioner Gordon as his main rival and everything. They did that in the Joker comics. It still just it feels like if it kind of feels like the Gotham TV show to where people were annoyed at it because it was just you're doing everything but giving us a Batman TV show. Just give us a Batman TV show, DC. Why do you have to be so fucking difficult? And that's what it kind of feels right now with this sequel. And people, I, I remember whenever the movie came out, and people were like, "Man, what if Joaquin Phoenix ends up being the new Joker in the DCEU or Robert Pattinson's Joker?" And that's more interesting than to me than doing a musical sequel. But I guess we'll just have to, have to wait and see with it. It might be a really good idea. Yeah. But talking about the Batman too. We don't have a whole lot to go off of. There has been a whole lot to say. And a lot of that, I think, is due to the strike. Yeah. Who do you think... Just... Because I I think next year we will know who the villain is. Because if it's coming out, what, 2025, 2026? I think we'll know who the villain is by by the end of 2024. So who do you think it's going to be? You think it's going to be Clayface, Hush, Mr. Freeze, Scarecrow... If we go by the ending of the movie, it's going to be the Riddler and Joker working together. So we'll have more Joker, and I'm going to get mad because there's too much Joker. There's too much Joker. I really like the guy playing Joker, but there's too much. It's a bad yeah. time to be really good playing the Joker. But um, if I had my cho- if I have my choice of who I would pick, I would pick Hush. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people know who Hush is. 
I know you should. I know you should most likely know Taylor because the animated Hush movie came out. <laughs> I'm not happy with that movie. I'm sorry. That movie was not great. It was. Uh, it it should yeah. not have tied into Bruce and Selena's relationship. Good God. Well, that's not the part I don't like about it. Besides the points. Uh, but um, but yeah. So Hush is basically a villain that is tied to Bruce Wayne's past. Uh, not his origin. Hit just his past. Thank God. But basically, uh, but basically, this guy called Elliot had um two parents. They were they were pretty abusive, and he basically pulled a Lex Luthor and sabotaged them to basically try and die in a car accident. Thomas Wayne is too good of a surgeon and saved his mom's life. And Elliot didn't get his inheritance, and he didn't, uh, and he uh d- didn't escape the abuse. So. From that day on, Elliot blamed Bruce because Bruce made a promise that everything was going to be okay and Bruce thought Elliot disliked him because his father died that night. Now, Elliot was mad because Thomas Wayne succeeded that night <laughs> and Bruce never knew. From that day, from that day on, Elliot de- wanted to destroy Bruce's life and he would figure out that Bruce is Batman. Uh, I think because of the Riddler in story in the original comics, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it was because of the Riddler. But from the from that point on, uh Hush's whole deal was to make Batman go crazy and destroy his life. And that is one of the cool things I think could happen because if a villain is more attacking Bruce Wayne, like I guess again because the Riddler did, but more of attacking Bruce Wayne and his legacy, I feel as though it would be a great contrast to a Batman trying to be a symbol of hope for Gotham in uh in the Batman series, which the Batman is supposed to be about, like Batman becoming a symbol for the city. So that would be my hope for it, that Hush would be the next villain. So to give you a bit of evidence in your favor here, there are some references potentially to an Elliot who was a reporter who was killed by the Falcones on I don't say on behalf of the Waynes because Thomas Wayne didn't want the Falcones to kill the reporter but because the Falcones were like no this is how it's done had the reporter killed I believe the reporter's name was Elliot so they might twist that around if they end up going down the hush route and have it be the son of the reporter is Thomas Elliot and has revenge for his father's death. That could be that could be interesting. I really like the hush story. I whenever the Dark Knight Rises was in its like infant phase, you know, to where nobody knew who the villain was or whatever, I wanted Hush to be the villain of that. I was like, oh man, that'd be really cool. I love the Arkham City side mission with Hush. Unfortunately, it was just trash in Arkham Knight. <laughs> but Ar- Arkham Arkham Knight, where a lot of good, where a lot of endings went to die. <laughs> what a strange thing, by the way, because Arkham Knight is still a really damn good game. But you look at a lot of it too, and you're like, man, it's a really good to great game that could have been a masterpiece if they didn't flub so much in the story yeah. department and the boss department yeah it's like honestly i thought hush was going to be the main villain 
Like, I thought he was going to be where Scarecrow is. Like, we have the Arkham Knight. And then we have Hush, who is, like, control... Who's like controlling things, breaking down Bruce Wayne, figuring out that he was Batman and everything, and that's how Arkham Knight knew. And I thought Arkham Knight was gonna be uh was gonna be Prometheus or someone else, because I was certain that they weren't just gonna do Red Hood. I was like, they're not just it's gonna not like gonna be Jason Todd. I was I was delusional. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah. then Death in the Family starts playing at a certain point in the game and you're like Oh shit! It's Jason. Oh Todd. my god! It's Jason Todd. <laughs> Why? I love Jason Todd. Don't get me wrong. I'm I was very happy, but at the same time, don't try to act like it's a huge twist to your game. It's not. Honestly, I feel like it would have been better if it wasn't Jason. I feel as though I feel as though Jason was the wrong way to go for this version, especially considering that in timeline wise, there is no way that Bruce had Jason and Tim. And then just didn't look for Jason as well. They had to really go above and beyond to make it seem like that Jason was not um that that um Jason was just abandoned by by Bruce and everything. And it's like it just does not make sense with the character that they have been portraying for three games at that point, going on to the fourth ending. Made no sense. Yeah, they had to really mess around with the timeline. And the last thing I'll say, and then we can move on. I will say that tying in Jason Todd being around in I think it's during Arkham Asylum or before like right before Arkham Asylum like he was in an abandoned part of it I think that makes it great that part's really cool but a lot of the stuff to get there you're like man he's been through a lot of Robins and a short man yeah Batman I know he was looking for him and they make that excuse but he kind of comes across as a bit of a dick in this story. Yeah, it's like, like he, it's like it took him a few months before he decided, hey, G- Jason's dead and everything. Well, didn't they send him the video? Hold on, we're going down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry, people. We need to talk about DCU here. Besides okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you mentioned the video, and I need to bring this up because if okay. I don't think we're ever going to talk about Arkham Knight ever again. Probably yes. not. Yes, Joker sent him a video and everything. Bruce Wayne would never take that video as concrete evidence. Ra's al Ghul had to give him a freaking corpse doll in order for Bruce to say, okay, he's dead. And it only was until Bruce rechecked the body that he realized it was a corpse doll because it hadn't rotted. It's like Bruce would never just like see a video and say he's dead. He would want the body. He would want to bury Jason and give him and give him a honorable funeral and everything. He would not. I get people are always mean about Batman being like the most emotionless bastard ever, but that's supposed to be a front he keeps up. Okay, guys, Bruce Wayne is one of the most feeling characters in all of comic books. His one weakness is that he tries not to be. Yeah, I agree with you. Characterization-wise, it still doesn't really line up there. So that was a mistake for the game. But getting into DCU, talking about the villain of Batman 2. And I just brought up Hush because in Arkham Knight because I really liked that iteration until Arkham Knight. Uh, but I don't want him for this movie because of what you said earlier. It feels like too much of a rehash of Riddler. To the point to where Riddler, his design looks a little bit like Hush. 
That is true. He he does look like I'm not a... saying it's a copy, but it's enough of a... Like, if you put the two next to each other, you're like, I can see. Like, I can see you stole some stuff from that guy wrapped in bandages. <laughs> and I already got problems with Riddler's characterization in the movie anyway. So it's my one issue with the movie. So I would much rather have somebody like Mr. Freeze. Who Really? <laughs> Last time we've seen Mr. Freeze on the big screen, he was played by old Arnie. And he had cool party. He did a great job for what that movie is. However, yeah. the unfortunate part is what that movie was, was dog shit. <laughs> so I would love to see a darker version of Mr. Freeze. I mean, the city's flooded. You could do it in the wintertime. Stuff starts to ice up a bit. It's all really coming together. It it just it lines up, man. It does. And honestly, you look at the other choices. You look at Clayface. You look at Hush, Scarecrow. Killian Murphy, the greatest Scarecrow. Let's be real. He's not a main villain. He's just not. We've tried. Clayface, love Clayface. He's not a main villain. See, I think he could be if you, like, shift him around a bit. Because there have been other Clayfaces besides actor Clayface, which is the most popular. But uh, if, you want, if, if you wanted to, like, a Clayface, a, um, Clayface that is more of a political antagonist could be very interesting like one who can appear as anyone get anything he needs by appearing as someone else and it being a more of a crime drama than just something that batman has to punch like of course at the end he'll still have to punch clayface but that that would be really interesting especially with a whole thing of who do how do you know that the person you're talking to isn't just clayface that would be so interesting yeah and the last thing I will say about the Mr. Freeze thing is while it would work for the city of Gotham, yeah, I think it would also fit in with Batman, who, like you said, I love this iteration of Batman who was filled with this vengeance and gritty darkness within him that is what a lot of people think of when they think of Batman. But the but by the end of the movie, he kind of realizes Batman can be something more than that. He could be a symbol of hope, which is something you very, very rarely see in a Batman piece of media. So I'm, I think you could do that with Mr. Freeze to bring a once good man who's went down a bad path back to the light. Right. Yeah. And that could be Batman. Can I mention my other villain that I would want? Yeah. Who's the other villain you would want? You already know. Like after the like entire no, but after an entire movie of making Batman a symbol of fear, you know who I would want. It sets him up perfectly. Don't you say Scarecrow? No, the other man who Bane? wants to be fear. Yes, like af- like literally, Batman injects himself with uh, a chemical. We still don't know what it is. It could be venom. You could bring Bane in. Although I feel like that would be a third movie antagonist and everything. Also, I would would want a full two movie Nightfall, if I'm being honest. 
Like you gotta have Bane yeah. actually. Hey, it was, win it was and my pitch. Oh, you weren't here. Damn it! It was my pitch oh. uh, for a clash at the stash, but I don't think you were on the team yet. I, and I had not. a Nightfall pitch, and uh, Tristan pitched Justice League International, I believe. I like both of those. I like point. both of those ideas. But um, also, I put, but it was in my class of the stash too. Remember how I would redo the DCEU? Yep, that I remember that. Yep, Bane was Batman's ultimate antagonist, and then had to, and then had to uh, be the one to save save Batman in the end in the uh, in the fi- in the fin- in the finale when they have to face Darkseid. Yeah, I, Bane could work in this universe. I really do. I think I, I'm not saying this to get into the whole like, oh, does Bane have to be comic accurate or anything? But I think for this universe especially. And because of the Dark Knight Rises version, which I'm taking nothing away, I really like the Dark Knight Rises version. I think because of that, and because of what this universe is, I think if you do Bane in the Batman, you gotta go full comics. You just lean yeah. into it completely. Le- lean into it. It's a su- it's a super steroid from an elite from from an, a country that made that makes it, but is illegal everywhere. Come on, guys, just let it happen. Embrace embrace the fact that this guy will be a freaking juggernaut. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of cool avenues they can go down. I think keeping it away from the DCU, while initially is a bit of a disappointment because, me personally, I really like Robert Pattinson's Batman. I really like where they're going, it seems, with the Batman and the DCU. And I like how this franchise... Matt Reeves is the Batman, can just be its own thing. They don't have to worry about setting anything up. You just worry about your creative ideas for this movie and for the franchise. If it continues to make money, you know DC is going to continue to greenlight more projects. And speaking of which, just very quickly, talk about the Penguin show. It's going to be carried by Colin Farrell. Yeah, it's like, I gotta be honest, not really excited for it, but, you know, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's a show that I don't think you're gonna be really excited for, but once it releases and you watch it, I think it's gonna be a show that everybody's gonna go, that was quite good. (laughs) Surprisingly, didn't see that coming. It's just got all the makings of it. Yeah, Penguin is a very tragic character. I mean, he becomes Mm -hmm. untragic when you see how much of a, how much of a lunatic he is and how, but, um... It's like he his origins are kind of tragic. It's like in a way he is like the anti Bruce Wayne. He comes from wealth, but he but his family lost it, and then he has tried to work his way up in a different form or fashion in order to be something great. He's always trying to be great, and he's always mad because he's never as great as his family's rivals, the Wayne, or rather the last remaining Wayne, Bruce Wayne. All right, man. Let's go ahead and get out of here. What are you working on, and where can people find you? You can find me on the socials. I am Drew Garrison underscore, and I am on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find my YouTube channel, The Writer's Room. Come check out what I've been working on. Be sure to do that. As for me, I am not working on all too much other than these podcasts here. You could find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this very episode. Also, if you enjoy our content, if you want to support us a little bit more, consider joining our Patreon. Uh, We're not ever going to lock content permanently behind a paywall. 
but it's just pretty much a place if you want to support us over there, you can. We greatly appreciate you, though, for, uh, whether you do support us on Patreon or whether you just listen to us ramble into our microphones. But finally, be sure to check out thenerdstash.com for all sorts of news in the world of gaming, movies, television, and so much more. We get reviews, guides, opinion pieces, you name it. You can find it at thenerdsesh.com. I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone who takes the time out of their day to listen to us. We will be back next week with a brand new episode.